Like our content? It's funded by viewers like you. Please consider becoming a sustaining supporter of New Church Live today. So friends, welcome to New Church Live. I'm Pastor Chuck Blair. It's great to have you here, whether you're joining us in our studio audience or joining us live from anywhere else in the country. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being part of this little church this morning. As, as we take a look at, at levels of knowledge and what it is to know. And before jumping into that, you know, because we have a congregation that's spread far and wide, we do on occasion, especially when it's cold here in February and warm there in Florida, <laughs> do some little trips. And we have one coming up next Sunday. We'll be down in the Vero Beach area doing a service down there. We do these occasionally in different parts of the country. If that is any interest to you, again, you can find out more information on our homepage. You're welcome to come down, meet us. I'd love to meet you in person if you're in the Florida area. We'll be doing a service followed by lunch. So you're more than welcome to come and join us in that. So with that, with, with looking at this idea of, of deep knowing today, we're looking at the idea that there's a deeper knowing and there's actually a deeper you, that there's, there's kind of two parts of our, of our uh, knowledge, two parts of what we really know in the world. I'm a real big believer, and many of us are, you know, in the power of people gathering, you know, and, and today most of that happens, 95, 98% of that happens online. And it's a miracle to watch. You know, this week we, we closed a small group we had, and the small group was on the topic of loss, people from all over the country coming together to talk about it. And the last question we did was this, what do you now know? after having gone through loss. And, and know with a capital K, not just kind of like a little bit of knowledge, but, but what do you know at a DNA level? And the responses, folks, again, the responses are so powerful. They're, they're incredible, they're, they're beautiful, they're moving. They're, they're this life wisdom that's far beyond, uh, far beyond what, what, what I certainly could write up. And that's that deeper knowing and that deeper knowing comes from a deeper you. And it's interesting when we look at the Bible to look at that and, and, and it's, not, it's not folks like a program. All right, here are three easy steps to get to the deeper you. That's, it's not how it works. It's this is what God is doing. God is constantly calling us back to this, this deeper place. You know it, you've all been there. You all, you all can feel it when you're there. And you just, you just know stuff. You just know stuff. And if, if you're younger, if you're one of the kids who's watching today, like, you know that too. You just have times where it's just this deeper knowing. And, and by that, I mean, you might be out with friends or you might be doing something really fun with your family. And all of a sudden you just, you lose track of time and you're like, this is so cool. This is the best thing ever. That's the deeper you. And that's the deeper knowing. And we can look from a Christian New Church perspective, we look at different stories of the Bible, some of them separated by thousands of years, and think, oh yeah, there's a bigger picture here. And we've been looking at that bigger, deeper picture. We've been looking at one mindset that we've been talking about, which goes back to the Old Testament, this, this ancient king called Pharaoh who ruled over everything. That's one way of knowing, and that's kind of when our, when our ego, and, and again, that's when we're a know-it-all. That's when we're self-righteous. That's when we're sure we have all the answers that are, that are out there to be had. But how good is that? It doesn't really work. That's what we looked at last week. And, and if we really believe we know it all, a lot's gonna plague us. And eventually that Pharaoh has to go. 
And then we can look at another story thousands of years later, and that's a story about King Solomon, king of ancient Israel. And that's a much richer, deeper, more beautiful way of knowing. And it's, it's sort of a heart knowledge. And we get to choose between these two. And, and a lot of the time, really, we're going to be doing both. I mean, some of the time during the day, we might be over there. Some of the time during the day, we might be over here. I, I, just, I just think, you know, this is a silly little one that just came to mind. You know, anytime I'm in a buffet, I, I get worried that they're going to run out of food, you know? And so how can I get my food? That, that's, that's a Pharaoh mindset. You know, how can I get mine? And then there's this, this, this Solomon mindset, this king mindset that's a different ruler in our lives. It's a heart place, and it's much more worried about other people. Much more able to say, no, you go first. Those two mindsets are, are key to the human condition, and it's, it's just interesting. If you want a picture of them, take a look at these two pictures. That's the pyramids, that's Pharaoh. And, and Pharaoh, these, these, these pyramids in Egypt that you can go see today, they're really a monument to self. That's what the ancient Pharaohs wanted to do. They wanted to build monuments to themselves so that they could realize, so people for, for millennia could look at this and go, oh, what a great Pharaoh they were, the bigger the pyramid, et cetera, et cetera. That's one way of looking at it. As we said yesterday, what we forget is that a pyramid is a tomb. And then you can also flip and look at King Solomon's temple. That's what he's known for. The pharaohs are known for pyramids. King Solomon is known for his temple. There's still a little small part of it left in Jerusalem, but this is what it looked like back in the day. And friends, the part I want you to look at there that's so interesting is the idea of the courtyard. Now, for the kids in the audience who might not know what that is, that courtyard is that spot right there where the big square is. And that's where all kinds of people could mix. And then there were sort of outer layers too. People could mix in those layers. Could we flip back one to the, to the pyramids? Notice there's no courtyard there. No place for people to gather. It's just, you go there, you see Pharaoh's pyramid, and you move along. Two different perspectives. And I, I really am gonna come back several times today to that courtyard. Because that place where mixing happens is where deeper knowledge really is. And what we're going to do is, is we're going to do a little exercise right now on that deeper knowledge. When we get struggling in our lives, we get to the point where we just don't quite know what to do and, and what direction to take. We may be anxious or nervous or like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Here's a simple exercise for you. Ready for this, folks? Pause, what makes life meaningful? So let's just practice that. Everybody get a big breath. That's the pause, critical part. What is it that makes life meaningful? What is it that really makes life meaningful, rich and meaningful? It's interesting, so, so much of the time, this is a little aside, so much of the time we get into conversations about what makes you happy. And that's a good conversation to have. And over our lives, we need to come more and more into the conversation of what makes life meaningful. Because as you get older, there'll be happy times and there'll be unhappy times, and we have to be able to hold both. And we have to be able over time to find deep meaning, but life's really meaningful.
So here at New Church Live, we do this very frequently where we actually try to engage our online audience. And we've been doing it throughout the week. Many of you have sent in wonderful answers as we've posted this question on social media. But that's what I'm gonna ask you to do. I'm gonna ask you to answer this question. Pause, what is a meaningful life? And I'm gonna ask you to do this. I'm gonna ask you to text me in an answer at 215-740-3662. That's 215-740-3662. And just take that pause. What is a meaningful life? And it could be a word, it could be a sentence could be whatever. And let's take a look at that. And when we, when we come back, we're going to take a look at that later on in the service. But it's to get us in that point of when we answer that question, that question of what, what, what is a meaningful life, that gets us to that deeper knowing. That gets us to that deeper part of our souls. So friends, welcome. Welcome. Welcome to New Church Live. Going with 
people are kind, a new state of mind. I'm going where there ain't no police. To escape from what is on the spirits at ease. Boy, what a what a beautiful song, and and it just watching <laughs> yesterday, right? We. We have these moments where we just like see the wonder of life and life's just wonderful. And that's that deeper knowing, I think, you know, yesterday uh, ran out. It was like a super busy day. It was super busy weekend and racing out to grab pizza and pull into this very crowded pizza place, all kinds of cars and people and blah, 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 blah. And go in and I check out and here are all these people and they're just having a great time, just hearing them chat it up. And it was just, it was just a moment of like, ah. Oh, this is, this is sort of like heaven. And, and I think that gets to be part where we get, I think God would have us do the experience on occasion where we really even get to experience heaven in a crowded pizza joint with a bunch of people waiting for pizza. And of course, then you have to be like, okay, remember, focus, pay for the pizza and then leave. You know, because it's just such a moment. I just want to sit there because it's so sweet and it's so incredibly precious. That idea, folks, that heaven is all around us. Heaven's all around us if we have the eyes to see. That's the deeper knowing. And, and the beautiful part, obviously, as we talk about this deeper knowing, is it's not just a deeper knowing like I can just go there in my head, but it's a deeper knowing where we can live that in our lives. It's a deeper knowledge that leads to a deeper way of living. And we all could go around and talk about people we know who live in that place because we're blessed with them. They make a big difference in how we see the world. So I want to talk about Solomon and talk about sort of how, how is it that that might work? What might be some of the spiritual dynamics of that? And one of the key ones is, is for Solomon, again, see this as poetic, a poetic journey. It's, yeah, it's talking about a king thousands of years ago, but it's talking about us here today, you know, what we're really supposed to be striving for. It's what we strive for. Do we ever actually reach it? I don't know, but, but it's something that we're trying to accomplish. And this is from 1 Kings 3. So Solomon now is king. His dad was, was this guy by the name of King David. He's now king, and he gets a chance to ask God for something, sort of like the old genie in the bottle. You know, you get one wish, and this is what he says. Now, Lord, my God, you've made your servant king in place of my father, David. But I'm only a little child. Notice the humility in that, friends. And do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among, no servant even there. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant, the king, a discerning heart to govern your people and distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? It's a beautiful line in this beautiful ask in terms of a, a discerning heart, asking for a discerning heart. Some old biblical translations use the word wisdom there. It's interesting to think of even wisdom as a discerning heart. 
And it's, it's interesting, right? We looked at Pharaoh last week. We looked at Solomon this week. Pharaoh, we looked at the promise with Pharaoh is that Pharaoh has a hard heart. And here's Solomon. Solomon has a discerning heart. And there's two very different kinds of knowledge. Folks, this, this discerning heart, I want to start by talking about like this. It's not soft. It's not a soft heart. And, and I, I mean, I don't mean soft. I shouldn't even say it that way. I'm really careful with that word soft because a lot of the time, what is easy to fall into is that idea. Look, if, if I'm going to allow my heart to leave me, somehow that'll make me a softy and open to all kinds of attack. And that's not how the world really works. I, I'm going to challenge that. Because I think the people with the most discerning hearts I know are actually the most courageous. They're the toughest, so to speak. They got a big heart. And they know that the way to, to move forward in the world is to take that heart and to figure out, again, like truth is the form of love, is to figure out that the wisdom that's going to help them bring that heart that God's given them as a gift is going to help them to bring that out there into the world as a way to serve. So it's not soft. It's actually quite courageous. And this heart over here, that's a really hard heart. It's got hard edges. There's no plasticity. There's no, again, like you look at the pyramids, the pyramids, a large part of it was about how do we keep bad things from getting in? It's, they're, they're impervious, in a, it's an impervious model. But friends, you ready for this? Because it's impervious, it's fragile. It appears strong, it appears courageous, but not so much. You think in our lives, right? That time where we just became convinced, I have to be right, no matter what, even despite all the evidence out there in the world, I have to be right. Not a great way to live. <laughs> it isn't a way to connect with people. Again, there's no courtyard figuratively there. And it's actually fragile because those people with those really hard edges, those parts of us with the really hard ego-driven edges that allow nothing in and nothing out, people don't really want to be around that, to be totally frank. There's some kind of magnetism over here, and it's magnetism because it's where we're being drawn to God God, as we see God working through other people that starts to create new worlds and new perspectives. So friends, the question then becomes, what is a discerning heart? Well, I mean, we can answer that a hundred different ways. I'm going to answer it two ways by saying that it is loving and it's humble. First off, it's loving. And secondly, it's humble. Let's take a look at that, at that loving part. Here's a piece of Christian New Church thought around that. Those who devote themselves to doctrine rather to, to a life of love quibble about everything and condemn anyone who does not speak. They use the word believe as they do. There's so much in that, folks. So, so much power in that. That, I want to start with, with this part, folks. When we look at this quote here. It's, it's this idea that we're supposed to really put a life of love is supposed to be center. Now, now notice the word there. It's not just love, it's, it's life. It's the, it's the life, it's the embodiment 
of love that's supposed to come centered. And we're supposed to be really careful as well because, and we can see this in religious circles, this can happen very, very easily. And I certainly am as guilty as anyone else on the planet of doing this on occasion. We can be so convinced that we've got it down, that we understand doctrine, that we understand what God is teaching us, we understand it so well, that what we do is we weaponize it and now it's just used as a way to condemn others. That's it. And that, folks, that idea of the condemning part of it is that that's where we start to confuse as the saying goes here. We start to confuse as the quote goes. We start to confuse our speaking with belief. In other words, uh, you know, we say we believe this thing because this is what God is doing, but really we're just parroting our own words. And it's interesting, even tying that back a little bit with humility, a little bit of a, of a detour here. In sermon writing team, somebody said, yeah, isn't it interesting that when we speak, when we use words, all we're really doing is saying what we already know. Now, is that a good thing to, to go through the practice of saying what we already know? Absolutely. But that's not really how you learn. Not really how you learn. So it's about really understanding it at a deeper level. And it goes on to say, anyone who lives a life of love for others, notice this folks, anyone who lives a life, there's that word life again, of love for others, knows everything there is to know about faith. You, you wanna know about faith, you wanna know about spirituality, you wanna know about Christianity, you wanna know about new church Christianity, you wanna know, and I, I think frankly, like pick any religion. You wanna know all about it? Live a life of love. And you really will come to see faith in a very, very different way. All doctrine, if it is true doctrine, looks to a life of love as its fundamental principle. What is the point of doctrine, but to teach us how to be human. And another way to say that is to teach us how to be loving. Now, what does that look like? If we take love as a fundamental principle, we take love as a fundamental principle. I wanna step over here, and just talk about what that might look like. We look at an ancient, 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 ancient commandment, 10 commandments out there. One of them says, thou shalt not covet. Now, for those of you who don't, don't know the word covet because we don't use it that much, what it says is don't be jealous of other people. Don't be jealous that they got more. Don't be proud that you have more. Just know we, we have what we have in our life. And if we spend a lot of time being jealous that somebody else is getting more, it's no fun. To the families out there, many a family vacation has been ruined because one kid felt another kid got more. Bad argument to get into. It is almost impossible to treat everybody absolutely equally. Parents, you owe me $5 for saying that. It is, it is interesting, right? Like that idea of, of, of how we're gonna look at this and, and how we're gonna be in this place and how we're gonna look at this commandment, thou shalt not covet. And we, we look at it from a Pharaoh standpoint, way back when kind of rules, hard edges, hard heart, like thou shalt not covet. And again, here's the crazy part, great place to start, but not a great place to end. 
we can start with, again, that real simple law. That real simple law. We look at it as a legal thing. Don't covet. Just go through that mental practice. But then, folks, and this is a little hard to describe, but I'm going to describe it. Then I'm going to use, use, use an example I saw yesterday. But if I hold that command, like here's this command, thou shalt not covet. And I really take into my heart, yep, it's all about being loving. That The life of love is the fundamental thing. And that life of love will teach me all I need to know about faith. So I look at this command, thou shalt not covet. And I'm not looking at that legally now. I'm looking at that lovingly. And now literally I can look at this commandment and I can see through it to something on the other side. Like, what does it really look like to not covet? That looks like I'm totally happy with what I have. What did you think of that? I, I'm totally happy with my lot in life. I'm happy right here, right now. That's what matters. I'm not in the comparison trap anymore. I'm not in the, well, he got two, I only got one, or she got three and I got two. And we're not into that anymore. We just go home and we sit in our lives. We're like, this is enough. I'm ready for this. Enough is really good. I think that's where we really find that goodness. Deeper knowing, deeper you, living a life of love, seeing commandments. So here's another example from yesterday. And this was, this was really a precious one. I imagine many of us have a morning coffee routine if you're an adult. Not everybody does, but a lot of people do. My coffee routine is going down to Wawa, getting a 20-ounce hazelnut coffee. And if you ever get on my bad side, bring me a 20-ounce hazelnut coffee. I love it. So I go down and I, I get this 20 ounce, you know, I'm doing the thing. And, and you know, like all little coffee shops and there's, you, you see a lot of people there who you just know, you know, you just know them because every morning you're showing up at the same time on your way to work. And I'm there yesterday and this, this man comes in and he, he goes up to the woman who's working at the coffee bar there. And he says, I found this in the parking lot. And he handed her a beautiful diamond ring. Now, again, they're not romantically involved, so just this is not like a proposal story. <laughs> this is a deeper use story. And it was a multi, like it was one of those diamond rings that had more than one diamond. In other words, it cost more than one dollar. And, and there's a guy there, and I know him, and he looks over, he says, I didn't realize this. He says, well, you know, I was a jeweler, so let me take a look at it. So he takes a look at it. He goes, oh, those are real diamonds. They probably had like five diamonds in the ring. And and he just passes it off to the woman who's at the coffee bar and he says, could you give this to the manager? I'm sure somebody will be looking for it. Oh, that's good. See, that's that life of love that teaches all you need to know about faith. And you look at simple commandments like thou shalt not covet or thou shalt not steal. You can see like that's somebody who gets that that's a law but that's not where they're coming from. They're actually coming from the love that's behind that. The love of someone who was probably taking off a glove because it was cold in the morning, probably was taking off a glove, probably is recently engaged and pulled off their, their engagement ring without knowing it and it fell in the parking lot. See, that's 
That's the deep knowing. That's the greater self. And, and that's, folks, like, it, it's not just that these are nice things. When we live like that, the world is a much, much, much better place. Much better place. Because here's the amazing part. Like, that guy could have taken that ring. No one would have ever known. No one would have ever known. Pay attention to those stories. Look for them because they're out there all the time. And take a moment to celebrate. How did I celebrate? I bought coffee for the guy. Because we need to celebrate that. We need to say this is the world we want to live in. Of that deeper knowing. And that's the part of the Solomon thing. I mean, you can kind of see, again, it's a bit of a leap, but we can kind of see like the courtyard part of that. And then what about the humility? Well, this is, this is an important one. When I was researching for this series, you know, I, I ran across this a number of, number of months ago, and I just think it's a beautiful idea. We cannot learn to love if we cannot learn to be humble. I can't say I'd ever read, you know, the idea of being loving and being humble in the same sentence, but it makes total sense, doesn't it? I mean, those couples who you know who really love each other, isn't there a certain humility in terms of how they interact? And you can see that. And they're each trying, as the new church says, or as my buddy Dave says, you know, to do to each other every good thing. That's a beautiful part. And and folks, what we can have there is we can start to understand like this idea of humility, this idea of, of, of listening, like so much of humility is based on listening. And you know, when someone's coming out of our mouth, it's what we already know. When we're listening, it really starts to create this beautiful humility that again, starts to put love center. And that's where friends, we can start to understand this beautiful thing, harmony. I am not a singer. I will never sing here at New Church Live. <laughs> We're blessed with beautiful singers. And here's the amazing part about harmony. Is harmony, people are constantly expressing something. And at the same time, they're listening. So there's this beautiful listening that's taking place. It's helping them to express something. But it's done in a harmony of voices. That's really good stuff. Take a listen. And just listen to the way this harmony works. Just call on me, brother, when you need a hand. We all need somebody to lean on. I just might have a problem that you'd understand. We all need somebody to lean on. That was good. You know, yeah, it's like, dang, how did he do that? It's, it's, it's such beautiful harmony, but th- folks, there's the courtyard. That's it. That's, that's the world that we're asked to sort of lean into. And when we do that, folks, you know, you know we can ask ourselves, what is it that a discerning heart truly knows, truly knows? Well, here's, here's some folks that are, that are beautiful that people set in. What does a discerning heart know? Again, what is that courtyard time that, that love is the central part that Solomon wisdom know? 
that we have to do creative, heart-driven usefulness. We have to take time to connect and care for others. True, deep connections with others and being aware of this when it's happening. I love that, being aware, that's big. Sounds trite, but it is not easy. Time spent with other people in an open heart. I believe a meaningful life is serving our neighbors while maintaining faith and the glory always being given to God. And I, I love that idea, guys. Like the word glory also could be, also could be translated celebration. Like that's the celebration. It's, it should all be this beautiful celebration of God. A meaningful life is being in and serving my communities, family, friends, and strangers alike. I think a life of meaning is one with love, joy, and connection. A life infused with deeper purpose and experiences that matter. Love, love, love. You can't love without a person to flow it towards. To grow up surrounded by love of family so they can fully go out and share that love with other people outside of my family. Remembering to enjoy the ride, that's beautiful. A life of no regrets. A meaningful life is one with opportunities to serve and be served, to love and be loved. It's about service and relationships. And one person wrote, making life better for others. Mm. Mm -mm. Folks, those, those are such wise things that people know. That's, that's the life we want to come from. That's the place we want to grow from. And again, it's, it's not just knowledge, but it really becomes like this, this beautiful way of living. And when we come back after this beautiful song, I'm going to talk about, yeah, what is it like when we actually are in that place? What does that look like? And, and maybe what's a takeaway? Like, how can we live that today? Whether you're a 49ers fan or a Chiefs fan. Looking forward to joining you after the song. Look outside. The world is changing in front of my eyes. What a beautiful thing to witness What is this? Consistently I'm captured in your reverie Look outside The world is colored in love It's all so right What a wonderful kind of madness The canvas collaborates with calculated misery and I want to hold it in my hands and try to Look outside The moon is dancing on the water every night 
What an incredible kind of disco One can't seem to dance without the other one Oh, look outside So much more for you to see behind your eyes Is a magical kind of spaceship Every moment is a crazy kind of miracle Just, I'm still thinking about that harmony song and then that beautiful song Emily just did. And, and music is such a great example of that deeper knowing. Such a great example of, of you know, Solomon's wisdom and that, that wisdom where we, where we start in a heart and then, and then we start to move it out. You know, we had a beautiful, again, that, that small group we had really was just incredible. It's incredible to watch what people, what people were saying. And I just want to share just bit spontaneous here. Uh, it's a beautiful line that somebody had, and, and they said together, and this is a group of people who have experienced really profound loss that was meeting last week. I mean, really heartbreaking, profound. Life will never be the same. It'll still be good, but it'll never be the same kind of losses. And somebody wrote, together we can, and we are now, and we are navigating this time here on the planet. And that that kind of wisdom, folks, is, is what we need. And, and it's, it's this idea, right? It's not a consensus where we go around and we kind of try to find it. It's, it's where we each become part of making. I mean, that's the harmony bit, is this, is this deeper knowledge. And it starts to build on this part that we all know to be true. Like when we all start to attach to that deeper knowledge, we just, we just know stuff. And life becomes so rewarding. I mean, yesterday, again, watching the little coffee clatch with this, talking to this guy about this engagement ring, nobody's like, dude, I'd just keep the thing. <laughs> I just wouldn't do that. Why? Because we know that's not the right thing to do, and other people can help remind us of that. 
And what happens, friends, what does happen when we, when we learn to live into that place of a discerning heart? Well, here's how the Bible story goes on. The Lord was pleased that King Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you've not asked for this and not for a long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never be anyone like you, nor will there ever be. And that line, folks, like that, there's that part of us, right? That this is a little hard to get words out around, but there's a part of it, like God creates all of us in unique ways. I mean, there's no two people the same. And it's easy to say that in a trite way, but it, but it really is true, right? None of us are the same at all. Some of us may look sort of similar. You know, I get a lot of Richard Gere comparisons with myself. Um, you know, uh, we may look similar, but but we're not. You know, we're wildly different. I, I've been blessed over my years teaching, you know, a lot of identical twins and they're even really different. It's, it's interesting folks, again, right? When we, when we look at that and, and, and that's where I think you look at the internal sense here, the deeper meaning, like, well, of course there's never gonna be anyone like you. When you really live with that discerning heart, there's no one else can do what you do. And you're offering that to the whole. It's like watching that harmony and, and just thinking, well, Ethan's got a voice. It's his voice to offer. And only he can offer that. Same with Marcus, same with Emily. Only each one of them individually can offer that. But together, they're offering something that's a miracle. See, that's that blessing. But it's, it's, it's based on this uniqueness as well. And, and talking, folks, about how this wisdom works, well, here's, here's a very famous line from Martin Luther King. And this is, again, this is the way to wrap up this Pharaoh versus Solomon piece. And what, what Martin Luther King is talking about here, let's give you a little context. He's talking about the very famous story of the Good Samaritan. You may not be familiar with it. I'll, I'll give it to you in three, three minutes here, super simple version of it. So what happens is the Samaritans, the Samaritans were sort of this ethnic group that, that the people in the land of Israel thought was sort of, they, they were really second, at best, second-class citizens, really third or fourth-class citizens. So Jesus uses this parable, this story, to talk about what life really means. So you got this idea of Samaritans. It's important to hold that outside. So this person is coming down this road from Jerusalem, which is where the Holy Temple was, where people made pilgrimages. Think of it like the Vatican, going to Rome a Catholic going to Rome. So this person is coming down the road and he gets mugged, he gets beat up, gets all his stuff stolen, gets badly injured. And the story goes on and there's a Levite, there's a priest coming from Jerusalem. In other words, it would be like any pastor coming from church or any priest coming or any rabbi coming from their house of worship. He comes by and he sees this and he's like, no, I gotta keep moving. And then Jesus, in such Jesus-y way of doing things, has a good Samaritan in the story he says, yeah, but a good Samaritan came down. The idea of putting the word good and Samaritan together, even that would have been crazy in ancient Israel. But Jesus does that stuff all the time. And the good Samaritan comes down and he takes care of this person who's been mugged, beaten up and had all their stuff stolen. Beautiful story. And, and Martin Luther King has this beautiful way of talking about the difference between the Levite, the priest, the religious professional, and this good Samaritan who really for most of culture would have been considered a bad Samaritan. 
And it's, it's a beautiful reminder of how very quickly to get to our deeper self. Let's take a look at this line. And so the first question that the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But then the good Samaritan came by. He reversed the question. If I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? What's gonna happen to me versus what's gonna happen to him or her? Pharaoh wisdom, monument to self, Solomon wisdom, discerning love, really trying to figure out how to help other people. What's gonna happen to them? I think again, I think that's why that guy returned that ring. He ain't concerned about himself. If he was, he would have kept it. He was thinking, what would happen to that person? What if even, I don't know if this is true or not, but what even if that was some 20 something year old on their way to, way to offer that ring as a, as, a, as a ask for marriage that day? And just imagine whoever's ring that was, them retracing their steps, coming back to the store and finding somebody had returned it. Somebody was the good Samaritan. Somebody did think it's not about me, it's about them. Friends, you know, this, this world, you know, we are in a season of deep conflict. We say that a lot. And I imagine a lot of us fear, probably appropriately so, that the deep conflict room right now is not currently showing any signs of, a, of abating. And so what, what do we do, right? Well, we could work at really trying to be more right, more loud, or we could really work at coming from that deeper part, that deeper knowing. Seeing all this agitation, breathe. What is a meaningful life? Nobody wrote, a meaningful life is a life spent angry at other people. Nobody wrote, a meaningful life is a life spent in judgment of other people. Nobody wrote, a life of meaning is a life being consistently angry that the world is not as we would have it to be. We know these answers. We know them. That's God working on our, all of our hearts at the same time. Our job is to live this stuff and to really live in the deeper wisdom as, as God gives us to see it. And, and the amazing part of it, folks, is, and this is part, I don't get this, but there's a weird spiritual dynamic that we live into it as God gives us to see it. We see it individually. But then what we do is then we realize we're all on that journey. It's like it goes from being up here at this level of relationship to down here at this level of relationship where it really is the deeper you, the deeper me, the deeper us. And friends, ready for this? That's how the world changes. That's how we do our bit. That's how we do our bit in the times that God has placed us in. So friends, have a week of deeper knowing, deeper wisdom, Enjoying the deeper you, seeing heaven all around. Amen.
What we're gonna do now, folks, is now we're gonna shift gears. We're gonna shift gears into a prayer, little, little, uh, little blessing, some beautiful time to just reflect. And yeah, and we hope to see you next week. Very special service next week. And a final reminder is again, we'll have a special service here, very special service here. And as well as for folks who are in the Florida area, we certainly hope you can join us down there next Sunday. I will be down there next Sunday. So a prayer folks. Lord, thank you for your presence here today. And Lord, what we ask today is for a discerning heart. A heart where the edges are soft, but the core is courageous. A place where we are open to the beautiful perspectives of others. And at the same time are incredibly clear in terms of keeping first things recognizably first. Lord, all that feels like such a paradox, but we know that in your world, in your kingdom, it's not because you lived that message while you were here on earth. Help us, Lord, in ways that are completely imperfect, flawed 99% of the time, to do the best we can to live that message too in our own small, imperfect, crazy lives. Thank you for being with us here today, Lord. Thank you for the harmony of this amazing congregation. Be with us in the week ahead. Your prayer. Our Father who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, bring you peace and bring you home. Amen. Have a great week, friends. Girls double dutch on the concrete Somewhere, somehow
the sky, sunburned and lonely, sipping tea in a bar by the roadside. Just relax, just relax. Don't you let those other boys fool you. Gotta love that Afro hairdo. It's all right. The more things seem to change, the more they stay the same. Oh, don't you hesitate, girl? Put your records on. Tell me your favorite song. Just go ahead, let your hair down. Sapphire and faded jeans. I hope you get your dreams. Just go. yourself somewhere somehow it was more than I could take pity for pity's sake some nights kept me awake I thought that I was stronger when you gonna realize that you don't even have to try any longer do what you want to and girl put your Thank you. Have a great week.